Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, the circle closes and the stand is over for good. But before we get started, how was your week? Uh, my week was fairly good. I got to go out and do things and uh, I'm taking little tours of the local countryside on my weekends. So I got to see another town that I wasn't really familiar with and visit an old site that I'd never seen before, so that was pretty nice. Site of what? Uh, the site of a church that had been deconsecrated some years ago, and it's now being rebuilt and used for weddings and as a venue, and it's on the top of a very uh, a top of a steep hill in Tiburon, and uh, it's really lovely. The inside is decorated with uh, pine and I think redwood. That's pretty. And um, and it's been recreated almost to the 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 uh, its original glory, and so that was really nice. It's on top of a hill. It's lovely, and there were some other places. There was a railroad museum, lots of little things in town. So I really appreciated this trip. Do you know if once something's been deconsecrated, it can be reconsecrated? You know, I don't know if it can be. I think it. that's like the book is closed on it, but I'm not All sure. All Highlanders can be murdered there. Yes. That's, That's exactly why they deconsecrated it. That's right. So how was your week? Could chop somebody's head off. Uh, I was fine. I was ill. I'm still a little bit ill, but I'm better than I have been. Okay. And uh, my voice is still terrible, so I'm sorry about that. But it is, as they say, what it is. Yeah, I don't think it's terrible. I think it's taking on a raspy Lauren Bacall type quality. Mm, yes, but as a woman in audio, uh, all I'm going to get is, her voice sounds so bad. <laughs> I, can, can I tell you that I appreciate the lack of vocal fry with you? I don't have a lot of vocal fry, but if I did, I would lean into it. It just, it's... it's nope, don't do that. Really hard to listen because to Because unless sometimes. you're going to talk first and foremost about Ira Glass, I don't want to fucking hear it. Oh, no, no, Ira Glass, I actually, I fast forward through his segments. I know, you don't like him. On This American Life, because that and I can't hear his voice. It just drives me nuts. I like vocal fry. It doesn't bother me at all. Mm. Um, you want to get into this? Sure. Completely Let's pointless. Let's get into it. Uh, it's, last episode that was written by Stephen King. I don't King. know how I feel about it, so I'm, I'm curious as to what you feel. Let's start with, it was, it is called The Circle Closes. Mm -hmm. It was directed by Josh Boone, the executive producer of this entire thing and the showrunner. And the teleplay was written by Stephen King. It aired originally on February 11th of this year, 2021. And I hated it so much. <laughs> so what was the point in rewriting the ending that he already had? Well, you've read the book, right? I've read the book. So I've did read you feel both of the books? I've also uh -huh. seen the original miniseries. I mean, his endings are always not great, mm -hmm. and that's fine. This did not improve upon it. This episode is the second of nine that is narrated by Franny, and in this case, we know that she is narrating to her child, mm -hmm. uh, and. She basically gives us a rundown, like a little exposition dump at the beginning, wherein she says, you were born, and we were happy, but then you got sick, and then we tried to tell ourselves it was croup, but then your neck got all swollen, 
Then I thought about murdering you to put you out of your misery, but I just couldn't do it. But I thought I should tell you. And hey, pro tip from a person whose mother has also told them something like this. Don't tell your child that you mm. may have killed them and should right. just don't. They don't need to know that. That is too much burden for you to put on your child. They are not your friends. They are your child. So, Franny, bad, bad parenting. Well, she also doesn't know much about parenting. I mean, she's still very young. No, I understand that. She's like 23 years old or 22 years old. Mm. Maybe less than that. She was still a college student when all of this started. So, yeah, maybe only like 20 or 21. Uh, and her her youth um, actually comes into play later as well um, in a number of ways. But uh, but then one day the baby is healed, and this is the first person that anybody knows about healing right. from Captain Trips because apparently this virus was one hundred percent fatal. Fatal. So you were either immune and didn't get it. Or got it and died. <laughs> Those were the two. So options. is the implication that because of the mixed parentage of a person who was capable of getting it, the person who wasn't that they that the baby could get mm-hmm. it but could recover. Right. Okay. Uh, ten months or ten weeks after Abigail, baby Abigail was born, because of course she names her baby mm. Abigail. Abigail. Uh, there's another baby born, and that baby never got trips because two. Both of that baby's parents were immune. So, right. uh, there's hope for us yet, she says. And then there's going to be apparently a vigil for the vigil. <laughs> it's a, it's an, it's another vigil for the people who got exploded in the vigil, in the vigil. a year previously. It's like so the that's how long a time has gone episode by. of How I Met Your Mother that's the intervention about having interventions. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I was just like, are you sure? Right. You do remember the last time y'all had a vigil because that's why you're having a vigil. So this feels very... Yeah, well, so, it could be like a vigil that you have in your own home that you don't come socialize. You like light a candle yeah, in the so window Freddy's or something. So heading out, and she... Uh, another guy from the, the town whose name I do not know, but who is a character we've seen repeatedly, mm-hmm. helps her down the stairs with her stroller. Cause she, and she says, Oh, good, you're here just in time. I hate going down these stairs by myself. Right. And I'm like, So here she's careful. I don't right. know where that is later, but uh, she she he's saying you know we're setting up for the vigil and she's like nah I don't really want to be around people and he goes that's cool but also you need to be around people and by you need to be around people what I mean is people need to see you because you're right. you and your baby are the only links to Abigail that we still have mother Abigail that we still have and she says until the others come back and he's like mm, sure right. <laughs> that's sure that's what I meant because they have now been gone a year you'll recall. They left basically the day after the, the explosion mm. um, with just the clothes on their backs. So she goes, she brings the Polaroid, which I actually, I don't remember. I watched it twice, but I wasn't looking at the screen at the time. I don't actually think what she places is a Polaroid. It looks like a regular uh-huh. camera, like a regular photo from 35 millimeter film right. or whatever. But she definitely had taken a Polaroid. So, mm, of the four of them on the day that they were going out, and as she's placing that and being sad and looking sad, and everybody's looking at her looking sad, then we hear woof woof with the only dog that's still in his in right. existence. It's Kojak. It's Kojak, who definitely has a lasting moment later on, but not right now. And then 
Stuart's there and Tom is there and they hug and he, she says, is he real? And he says, ask me again later. And then later, and then like he says, Tom saved me. And then we don't get any of how Tom saved him and got him back. And I'm pissed off about it because well, I think that that is an know, important This piece is very of the story. typical of this adaptation where the. Everybody gets short shrift. Well, <laughs> I think Stephen King was writing a kind of a more classically themed piece of work when he wrote The Stand. And so it's very much in the tradition of the Odyssey or Lord of the Rings where people start a journey yeah. and they meet all these adversaries and then they get on to, to the main part of the story and, and learn something about themselves. And I think what's missing in this story is that the parts that are the most like that have been excised. Whether it's um, Tom Cullen and... Um, He's the hero, y'all. Right. Without Tom, Stu doesn't get back, and we get one line of Tom saved my life, and that is it. Right. But and I, it sucks. It's like the entire... The, it, it's like the literary part of the book has been cut out in favor of being expedient and moving the story along. Yeah, but what we fill the time with for the rest of this episode is, is not shit desirable. I don't care about. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, so, I yes, it is, it's really wrong. It's almost like... You cut out the whole trip to Mordor or Lord of the Rings, and they're just there. They're just there. And go, wow, that you was why. You just watch Sam right. chuck it in, and Frodo goes, Sam really saved me. And that's it. That's all we right. that, That's like, pretty much fuck? what it is. And so I felt like the, the the cuts that were made from the story for this adaptation made no Are sense to me. They're the characters that got emphasized got made no sense to no. me. It, it's just really weird. Yeah, it's really, it's it sucks. And mm -hmm. so then we flash forward to the 4th of July. Now, they left, what, November? So, the baby maybe was born in February. Mm -hmm. It was maybe six months old by the time they get back, or maybe younger than that. Mm -hmm. And then we go another six months, seven months to February, July 4th, where they're having a barbecue <clears throat> and like a hoedown, they're dancing in the gazebo, like everybody, mm. the town is dancing in the gazebo, and it's, it's a gazebo. there's a barbecue. My first thought is, why the 4th of July? Right. And then I was like, well, I guess the same reason that Christmas is on December 25th. Right. They borrowed a day, and that's just what they use. Stu, compound fracture be damned, is, does not have a limp, does not have any pain. He's dancing along with everybody yeah. else. There's no sense of any kind of catastrophic injury. And this is the second bad break his leg has had. So, mm. you know, he's magical, apparently. Which bothered me. Well, I'm he, just like, you have no wounds left over from this thing that you... Okay, that's cool. Everybody else died and you came out totally unscathed. Cool. He cool. was an X-Man, so he has Ugh, I healing powers. It's the... It's the uh, what was he? He was Cyclops. Cyclops that's right. right. It's just like, oh, Hugh Jackman apparently in Les Miserables can carry an entire ship by himself because he still has a hangover of his mutant powers from as Wolverine. Yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't get it. Well, it doesn't seem, again, the same it complaint that It just feels ableist you, to me. It feels the like... The complaint that you made in the last episode makes sense in this context, too, is that we have no idea how much time has passed. We have no sense of... Yeah, I'm trying to... Right. Because the, they were supposed to basically get to Vegas and the baby was supposed to be born near the end of February. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I get, I think they set, we watched them walk through seasons. Mm -hmm. 
So I guess they left November. I, get, I don't know. Right. Um, but it might have been earlier. It might have been later. It, it had to be earlier than that because it snows in Colorado for most of what we think of as winter. Mm. So it wouldn't have been December yet, I don't think. Right. Um, which means that this vigil is happening basically in November again, say Thanksgiving time. Right. And then we've got another, you know, seven months, which means that baby that we have on the road mm -hmm. is 18 months old, and there's no way that baby's 18 months no. old. So it's it's really sort of scattershot. Well, also, I think in terms of what we missed, we missed what he did for his leg to cure. Yeah. We missed the struggle of coming back. Because he was on a br whole brace when he pulls uh, in. Yeah. At the at the vigil, mm -hmm. and then you know, eight months later or whatever, totally fine. Yeah, not a cane. He'd be on a cane, like no, with be that no way, for the rest way of his to life. heal. Yeah, a compound fracture. There's no surgery. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like that. He would be taking pills, right. and he would be on at least a cane for the yeah. rest of his life. And here. Dancing like nothing ever happened. No limp, no nothing. And it just bothers It just bothers me. Because um, like I said, Larry, Ray, Glenn gave their lives. Stu doesn't even get a limp. Mm. And I think in the in the first miniseries, I believe Gary Sinise I was limping. He, 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 he was... Because that was, I think, a running joke where we're like, it's the same character from... Um, oh, yeah, from uh, the fourth count. Right. Lieutenant Daniel... <laughs> <laughs> that movie's terrible. Anyways, um, so the song that played with uh, when her and Harold and Maine mm -hmm. comes on and she's like, I'll be back. And she goes out of the gazebo and he's like, honey, what's wrong? And she'll be like, she's like, I don't want to tell you. I think I'm done. And he'll be like, I never, I never would think you're done. And she says, I want to go to Maine and see the ocean. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're done. And they talk about how, well, they used to know everybody here, but after the after the thaw, after the mm -hmm. snow went away, 500 or more people showed up. There's already three people in the jail. Right now it's for drunk and disorderly and vandalism. So you've put people in I jail there was for those things. Well. Nope. Mm -hmm. But it's going to get worse. Soon it'll be stealing and murder. And I just want to tell y'all, Here's my stance on a new fucking society. If you have people who need to steal in a world where there is almost no people to an abundance of shit, mm -hmm. your society's fucked and you deserve everything you get. Mm. Murder is a different thing because people kill people for kill each other all the time. Yeah. But the the stealing thing really bothered me. But I'm also like. How long are you putting people in jail for drunk and disorderly? Mm -hmm. Everyone here has PTSD. Right. How about you give them help? How about everybody? How about there are so, different meetings? How about everybody has group therapy? How about how about we don't yeah. put people in jail for fucking dumb? How shit? did you read this? Because there's a recurring theme that we were discussing before we started today that seems to be a plague to this final episode, which is a weird kind of. Um, entitlement. Yep. In some ways, racist. Racism. Uh, it feels racist. Right. Several, several pieces of. And to me, if we were going to say, 
Oh, we're going to investigate These that. These are two white people going, I don't like right. that I don't know everybody in this town. This would be the first <laughs> part of it that felt that way, which yeah. is, I'm entitled it's to... It's not New York City yet, but right. it's getting, you know, it's it's getting there. No, first of all, it is not. It's like, I want to be exclusive and not have any neighbors and live in this sort of strange... Um, I want it to be quiet. Right. I don't want people shouting and hollering at night. And it just seems night. really kind of dangerous considering... The fact that there are not lots of people left in the world. Right. And everybody's not going to be like you. Mm -hmm. You've got to learn how to live with other people. Yes, right. you want to make sure that people are respectful of everybody's boundaries. Right. But if people are having a picnic at the park, how about you don't tell them they're not allowed to have a picnic right. at a park? Let them live their lives. It just seemed like it was a strange step, especially yeah. considering... I just but when they were like, mm -hmm. soon people will be stealing, I'm like, Why? Yeah. Why are you refusing to get people the things that they need? Because that's why people steal. Right. Unless say you have like someone with kleptomania, in which case let them take a lipstick every once right. in a while. What is your problem? <laughs> like I just that I seemed to be on choice problem. given how how dangerous the outside world is. Well, that was the thing. She's like, I know it's safe here. Well, safer, and that's mm -hmm. when they have the conversation about people in jail. And, uh, oh, and there is a thing when Franny is, um, narrating the very beginning where people are picking up guns and mm -hmm. so people are arming themselves, which, yeah, I don't particularly Against what? like. That's the thing. Right. I don't. And I mean, she's like, oh, how long mm -hmm. before we just slide back? And I'm like, well, you're perpetuating it. Right. You're perpetuating yeah. it. Here's how you keep people from having to be in jail for drunk and disorderly. You don't make that a punishable crime. Done. I, done and done. It's not fucking hard. I think that um, in this particular case, what that bothered me, the fact that you're willing to risk your life and risk the life of a newborn baby yeah. bothered me. Yeah. Um, the sort of, it seemed to me to be, and this is why I, and we'll discuss that part later, believe that they did come back to you. Um, well, yeah, okay. Well, right. yeah, okay. We'll, we'll get to that, but I think it's just also... It flies against what Mother Abigail did in bringing them all there in the yeah, first place. Yeah, you're supposed to come here and be safe together and, right. and live together. And try to build a different society, a society from what together. happened before. And you don't have to use the laws that are on the mm. books right now. Like, I just Also, I don't understand <laughs> the, the gun logic. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't what's either. What's the point of the guns? No, I don't, I don't I know. Mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's... I mean, I think that mm. there should be an armory. I think, yeah, because I think that... There, certainly, we saw right. Stu and Larry hunting for... Meat previously, that is going to be a thing. Like, mm -hmm. but to just but, have people picking up guns as as quote unquote police, fuck that, yeah, yeah. fuck that. If that is how the society I was at was going, I would mm -hmm. probably bounce too. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a privilege, maybe. Right. But if I was in charge, if I'm one of the fucking five people that were in charge to begin with, and presumably well, we Franny just, and Stu right. still are the only we people just took away in the, trouble, the two people in charge, and they were supposed to be what Harold dominated them in perpetuity, right. which is stupid, anyways. They could very easily be like, "No, we're right. not doing this," and instead they're like, "Man, we don't really like the way it's going. We're gonna bounce." It's right. just ugh. I don't know. So. Later that night in bed, Stu's like, so when do you want to leave? And she's like, oh, really, you mean it? I'm like, why would he fucking lie to you? Yeah. And then the baby starts crying, and she gets up and goes, takes care of him. And she's, But she says, you know, soon, as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So they get a truck together with an RV camper on the back. Mm -hmm. And there's the TJ, 
who appears to be Indian. Um, and I guess Lucy, which who we hadn't met before, but Lucy is a character from the books. Mm. It's actually, I believe, Dana's wife. Okay. Um, oh, all right. In, <laughs> in the books, but okay. we didn't get any of that here, who are now taking care of Joe. And Tom, seeing them off, they look like they're leaving from behind. Like, they look like they're in an alley. It's real weird. Mm. I'm like, why are you, like, sneaking off? Tom does not want them to go. Yeah. Is super sad that they're going. Gives them hugs. Um, and makes them promise to come back. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. But still, we don't... That's it. That's all we get from yeah. them. And the, the, the dude is like, this is stupid. You're going to die. At which point, Fran's like... We're all still here after Captain Trips. That's we've we've gone through the hardest. Everything else is cake. And I'm like, okay, we'll go get eaten by a bear then. I guess like <laughs> like you're like what are you talking? Whatever. Anyways, they get in the car, car and they go and they're driving and they're driving and we see them driving. Sometimes they eat chili by the side of the road. Uh, <laughs> we see that she says, "What are we having for dinner tonight?" And he says, "Dealer's choice." But that's not a fucking answer. It's stag chili, everyone. It's stag chili that he has opened and put into the pot. Dealer's choice isn't a food. <laughs> and also, you're the dealer. Does that just mean the thing you don't like, but I do? Is that? What that means? He hasn't put a lot of consideration. I just don't. I don't get it. And then they drive into Nebraska. Is this the home of Arbor Day? The home of Arbor Day. Okay. That's what I learned about Nebraska, because they pass a big sign that says, Welcome to Nebraska, Nebraska, the home of Arbor Day, to which I thought, I didn't even know there were trees in Nebraska, so that's pretty impressive. I thought it was just corn. Uh, and they pull over by the side of the road, or by a house, and she asks if the baby um, can stay with her. We see them winching things out of the way. They're going mm -hmm. on secondary and tertiary roads. They've got maps. They're right. not trying to go on thoroughfares because they're going to have to be moved. They've got a winch on the truck, but they yeah. don't want to be moving people constantly. Today, they've moved 400 miles. She says, yeah, my back believes it. I'm like, 400 miles in a day is not that fucking far. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> and especially you're not driving, so right. chill the fuck out. And... You're not liking this episode I at all. I don't like it. And then she is like, can we stay in while you, like, survey the scene? So he goes in, you know, covers any dead bodies or whatever, sees what the food situation is, whatever, and he comes out. Meanwhile, oh, they have Kojak with them. Because they're going to the take dog. the only dog. The only yeah, dog which there. I was just like, that's fucked up. Uh, and so Kojak goes and looks at the corn, and he sees somebody in the corn, and that somebody in the corn is a little black girl. With a black doll, who we've seen in the trailer, the or the um, the credits. There's a black doll, mm -hmm. a black baby doll, uh, in the credits, and here here it is making an appearance in the show. They reminisce about how it's quiet here, and they talk about how he's going to go back to the town to get some more food to stock up their supplies and medicine, and numbs it because the baby's teething, because it's a a baby of, mm -hmm. of indeterminate age. <laughs> um, Franny's going to stay back. This is all the next day. And then we see this young black girl. She's maybe 12 to 14. I was guessing more to the 12 scale, but yeah, I can see that. Um, and she's singing. Probably a hymn. I don't know the song. And she's remember. just, like, in a tent outside. She does not have a home. Was it a tent, or was she just in the cornfield? She might have just been in the cornfield. She had a fire. Uh -huh. 
I thought she had a little lean-to type shelter thing, but not a house. Yeah, okay. <sighs> Which is weird why she's living in the cornfield when there is a house. There. Because God forbid you... We're going to get to it. I'm mm. so mad about that character. Okay. Mm. And so the next day, Stu gets in the truck. He puts the gun. I guess they only have one gun, which is also dumb. Mm-hmm. If you are going to travel across the country, right. more than one gun. You have two people. You probably need two guns. Now, she winds up wearing the gun, right? She's wearing the gun. He, like, slings it around her hip. She then, um, and then he takes, and they have walkie-talkies. And he says, uh-huh. keep the walkie-talkie near you. And then he goes, it's about a 10-mile trip. He goes, he finds a bunch of medicine at the pharmacy. It's a good trip. He's heading back. Oh, well, okay. So, the night before, he says, you know, it's quiet. I'm going to lasso you the moon. And he does not like a passable Jimmy Stewart impression, but then is testing her. What's that from? Which I don't like. I don't like that. Well, there's a generation gap to their relationship. Yes, there's a generation gap, which means I don't need him testing her knowledge about classic film. Right. Y'all, it's from a movie I don't like, which is It's a Wonderful Life. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't. Because the likelihood they'll even ever see this film again Mm -mm. is kind of unlikely. Well, I mean, there's battery-operated DVD players. You could definitely still see the movie. But he's like, yeah, what's that from? And she sings Buffalo Gals, Won't You Come Out Tonight? Mm. Which, y'all, that song was written in 1844 by a man in blackface who went by Cool White. So... Already, I'm at a place where it sounds I'm like, like a rap name, Cool White. So Buffalo Gals was used largely on the um, minstrel circuit, minstrel circuit, mm-hmm. and was often changed. But it it refers to Buffalo, New York, the women of Buffalo, New York. But they would change it to New York girls won't you come out tonight, mm-hmm. or Boston girls, whatever town they're in. Uh, I don't, I don't like it. But then the next day, they're both singing it. Oh, they love each other with racism. Okay, awesome. And uh, then Franny. She's feeding the baby, but then the baby gives her a little bite on the nip. She says, ooh, be careful there. And then she decides. See, she has said, you need to get us some water because there's none of the, none of the water here is good. Mm-hmm. But there's a well in the back. And so she's like, well, maybe I should see if this well is good. And I'm you like. You thought you would ask that question you before you declared the water was the bad. The water was bad. Right? Like, I assumed you already knew. But All there's right. a. You know, a rickety wooden thing on the top of the well. Which is the same one. It makes it, This is also a regular Stephen King feature that makes an appearance here. Yes. Because previously it had been in... The Lewis Claiborne. Also in the um, the play about the bad... Uh, the story about the bad man inside of himself. He traps his wife in there. He traps his cow in there. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was all about 1922. That. Yeah. All about that well cover. That's right, the well cover. It makes cover. an appearance again. So the the pump of this well is in the middle of the well, which I don't understand. And she has to like climb up on it. I don't even know how you plumb that. And, the, and Kojak is like whining at her. And she's like, I'll be careful. Don't worry. She has taken the gun off. Mm-hmm. The baby is sitting over there. On the porch. And this bitch is too done to live. So she <laughs> steps out onto the thing. And she, she wells it. She pumps it. And the water is cold and mm-hmm. good. Awesome. So then she goes and gets a bucket which has just been sitting out in the elements for however many years. Right. So definitely you should put clean, cold water into that bucket without, okay, yeah. that's fine. So she goes and she goes to do that. And then she hears, and then we see Randall flag. What's up, Randall flag. We see Alexander Skarsgård who gets up in our ear and says, hello, Franny, Franny, hello, bitch. And she reaches her hand into the well, like 
spigot uh-huh. and gets bit by a rat, screams, and then she and the wellhead and everything fall to the bottom of the well. All right. So does the pump actually fall on her or? It looks like she follows the pump down. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. The pump is in the middle of this well. Like I said, I don't understand how that sense. works. No. But it's got to be at an edge, I think. I don't know. But it goes, she goes, everything goes. All, all the way mm-hmm. down. All the way to the bottom. And she's all scratched off up and uh, unconscious. <sighs> Meanwhile, Stu, driving back, singing some Elvis to himself. Uh... Blows a tire. Probably also because of flag, but it's unclear. Right. And he's jacking up the thing, and then he calls her and says, Hey, I've had a, I've got a flat tire. Um, or I've, I've had an incident. Just a flat tire. I'll be back soon. Do copy. Do copy. And she's not copying. Mm-hmm. And and she he actually calls her before she falls. Because he's like, I told you to keep the walking near you. And we see it inside the house. Well, she's outside with the baby, and I'm just like, too stupid to live. Ugh. And then jungle. We have the jungle scene with Randall Flagg mm-hmm. and Franny, and it's the best acting Skarsgård does this whole series. He's allowed to act in it. This he is scene, finally yeah. is this smug, but a little bit like put in his place, mm-hmm. but kind of charming character mm-hmm. like it's the best we've seen and he's like um so you're not dead uh but you're definitely dying your shit is real broken you mm-hmm. are deeply fucked up and he goes you are to a, gonna die. A, like a medical inventory of all the things that are broken or damaged yeah. with him and it's bad like she's got several broken legs her pelvis is crushed lung. her back is mm-hmm. broken several broken ribs her lung is broken or yeah her her lungs punctured by one of her broken ribs. Right. Like, it's a mess. And probably a, a, a fracture of her skull. And she has a head cold. <laughs> yes, and also she might have a cough or two. So, um, and then he's like, oh, and Stu. This is a shady-looking, uh, uh, what's it called? Jack mm-hmm. is going to crush him, right. and then this baby's going to die Don't out of the coals. Probably Kojak's going to eat him. <laughs> and that's a different Stephen King story. Kojak, Kujo, same? Mm, it baby. also reminded me of um, the woman tied to the bed. Oh, yeah. Yes. There's, there's a baby out there. Yeah. There's nothing to eat. So, she, but, and he's like, but I can heal you. And she's like, for free? And he's like, of course, what do you take me for? What kind of Philistine do you take me for? And he's like, mm, but I would like a kiss. And to look through your eyes every once in a while. And she's like, to possess me like you possessed Harold and right. whatever. And then she's like, I mean, if you don't want to, your baby's going to die horribly. And, I'm, mean, you know, you could have saved her or whatever. And then she, like, goes in and goes to, in for the kiss. And then she bites him. She bites his lip. And then she says, what does she say? Your favorite line of the whole show. Get thee behind me, fucking bastard. Yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch, or whatever. Yeah. Like, get thee behind me. Yeah, Which she is... fully biblically quotes at him. And runs through the forest, and then falls. And then comes upon Mother Abigail playing a guitar on her mm-hmm. front porch. And she's like, Franny, what are you doing here? And she's like, 
I'm not, I don't think I'm dead, but I'm almost dead, and uh, my baby's going to die, and I don't know what to do. And I don't know why I give her a southern accent, because she is from she's Maine, from Maine. she has I'm, no accent I was, at all. I was finding this very amusing, though. And uh, Mother Abigail's like, no, you were tempted, but now you didn't take the temptation, so God's going to bless you. And she's mm. like, what? She's like, you know, sometimes you need a little temptation, and then God blesses you. And he's like, she's like, well, then God's cool. And, she, and Mother Abigail goes, mm, that's what Joe thought, too. And I'm like, do you ever why? Yeah, you're not putting your best foot forward, dude. Um, and then she's like, she says something about the wheel turns. First of all, I know that you're going to have five kids and they're going to have 20 and they're going to have 70 and you're going to repopulate the earth and you're going to even see some of those 70, which means right. she's young because that's great right. kids we're talking about. And, uh, and that God only asks for one thing. The circumstances change, the wheel turns, but God always asks for the same thing, and that is to to be true mm-hmm. and to stand. And then, then Stuart finally gets home, and uh, Kojak meets him on the road. They have a real oh, Freddy's in the well moment. <laughs> and but when he gets back there to the well, wherein Franny finds herself unconscious, several feet down. Like, not feet, like... Meters. She's like two two stories below the earth. There's that black girl holding that baby with the bottle in her mouth. Not saying anything. And uh, Stu's like looking, looking, looking. He's like, even if I can get her a rope, she's not going to be able to grab it and pull pull it up. And the girl goes... Well, I'll I'll lower you both down, or lower you down, and you'll get her. And he's like, I hope you know what you're doing. And she's like, I do. Just go. And then she goes, dog, baby. And Kojak goes and sits next to Which baby. I think was my favorite part, with the fact <laughs> that this really little girl good. is completely in charge. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you two guys are worse than useless. Oh, my God, so dumb. So Stu is lowered down, scoops Franny up with all of her broken bones and broken mm-hmm. spine, and I'm like, cool, this is good. You probably definitely shouldn't move her, but right. you do you. He just picks her up and then fireman carries her up the thing, and he's like... You know, she's bleeding and she's so broken. And and the little girl gets down next to her and goes, give me some space, Stuart. And he's like, how do you know my name? And I'm like, because that's Mother it's Abigail. It's obvious to everyone watching this program who she is. It's not obvious to everyone because I read several articles about people really? not knowing who this character is. But this character then lays hands on Franny and heals her completely Mm -hmm. and then tells her to stand and Franny stands up and then she is gone. She is the magicalist of Negroes. She is 100% Abigail Fremantle. She is, however, not actually given a name or a house. Why have we done this to this Um, poor little black girl? So... Not that little black girls are like it's not. I'm just, it's just trying to understand then what did people think she was if they didn't understand very clearly. Just a magical Negro. Just happens to be a black girl living in a cornfield in Nebraska, which we as stand readers know that Hemingford home was in Nebraska. That's mm-hmm. where Abigail Fremantle was. Right. It's not where she was in this. Mm-hmm. She had already moved right. to the retirement home, presumably in Colorado somewhere. Mm-hmm. But Hemingford, this girl is from this place. 
maybe even this house. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I mean, a go, a go. Clearly she hadn't been there in a significant portion of her life. But the other thing is, she's singing the the song that she's singing the night before Uh is the song that Abigail is playing, Whoopi Goldberg's Mm. Abigail is playing on the porch when Franny finds her in her, Mm. you know, stupor. Or whatever you call I just it. don't understand how people don't know. I mean, it was so to me. It was, it was, it was kind of laughably obvious yes. what they were going for. Yeah, but I just why? Mm. I, I why a young it, version of her? I, I'm why not sure who was intended to magic? be. Because once again, mm. Franny, because she's too done to live, fell down a well and broke every bone in her body. But she is going to be totally but fine. Not just not a limp. Nothing. Not, Not a just scar. that. What's bizarre to me is that we earlier have Mother Abigail punishing herself for being prideful and separating mm-hmm. from God's will, but Franny does it, and she not only survives, she gets cured. Because cured. she bit the devil. That's the other thing that we see is mm. um, Flag shows Franny a an indigenous tribe in South America who. Mm. He says, um, you know, tribes like this used to be wiped out by white men uh, bearing blankets of smallpox. These people have never seen the outside world, and uh, trips never touched them. Can you believe mm. that? So there are the there's this pocket of indigenous people, uh, presumably along the Amazon somewhere. They'll come back. Don't worry, the racism is not over yet. No, no, no. And then, so, Franny stands, and then the next thing we see is, it's a week later, they're in Maine, they're looking at the Atlantic, Franny keeps calling him East Texas, Mm -hmm. she says, you know, uh, oh, he says, what what happened at the well? And I'm like, it's been a week, and y'all have been in a car together. Right. For hours and hours on end, and y'all have not had this conversation yet? Okay. Uh, Were you just playing a lot of I Spy? Like, what the fuck is happening right now? This is exactly what happened. There was a lot of I Spy. There was so so much much to see. I Spy, a sign that tells me where Arbor Day started. Stuff like that. Oh, my God. So dumb. I I Spy. Something green. Is it corn? Yeah, it's fucking corn. Um, That was the other thing. Around this house, the corn was so... It looked great from um, clearly not having been cultivated for at least two years. It was as high as an elephant's eye. And she says, I learned that there are two worlds. Mm-hmm. I'm like... Just two? Just... Wait, hold on. But just now, after everything with Flag, after the explosion in Vegas... Mm-hmm. Although I guess they still don't know really what happened, right? Because Stu didn't know. He knew there well, was an explosion, but he wasn't there. Here's Tom the, didn't really know either. The odd part about that whole drama, and, and you're absolutely 100%, in that it seems like these people just don't talk to each other. And there's no scene where they reason out what happened. No. There's nothing. And, and the, the, in that voiceover at the beginning, mm-hmm. people keep pushing her to send people to see what happened right. in New, New in Vegas, and she refuses to allow it. And I'm like, well, they seem to be overriding you about but, guns, <sighs> so I don't know why they don't just go. She says they can't spare the manpower, except now there are 500 noobs. Yeah. What are you talking about? I think that um, the producers also, and we can talk about this more in summation, 
really also missed some of the more dramatic points because her finding out the rest of them are dead, the trip back, like we're talking about, there's so many points that would have made high they drama don't even or know that watchable the rest of them are dead. That's the thing. Right. They don't know. or And they're fine to live in blissful ignorance, I guess. But mm. the entire thing with Mother Abigail and Randall Flagg was that there's this dichotomy of good and evil in the mm. world. And she is saying that she found that out at the bottom of the well. Right. I think that she so what the something... fuck have you been doing for the last three years, right. bitch? Like, what are you talking right. about? Not three years. Two years? A year know. and a half? I can't it's tell. Unclear. We have no idea. And I'm just like, that's what you That's what you found out. Mm-hmm. Not through out... any of your other right. dreams where you dreamed about Flag and Abigail at the same time a year ago, two yeah. years ago, right when it all started. But... At the bottom of the well, that's what it fucking took for you to understand that there are yep. two worlds. Well, people have understandings that come to him at the bottom of the well, I guess. Mother of pearl. All right. And then he's like, how, she's like, how do you want to have, like, five babies? And he's like, well, I was thinking, like, two more babies. And she's like, we'll see. And he says, I'll be, <clears throat> I could be easily persuaded. And I'm like. Yes, you can. You're not going to do the work of the caring of the <coughs> babies. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. You're not going to do the work of carrying the babies. And also, do you want to have four more babies in a post... uh, Apocalyptic world? Not just post-apocalyptic world. You know what she can't have? Mm. A fucking epidural. Yeah. (laughs) So, like... Well, I also think that there's a... This is another indication of how big a pushover he is. He just does whatever she says. Okay. I guess as long as you let me keep having sex with you, we can have as many babies as you want. Like, ugh. And that's like, that's the end? Oh, no, that's not the end. I forgot the racist part at the mm. end. Uh, then we see Boots, naked legs, moving on up, naked ass. Because Skarsgård has a clause where you let his ass in at least three episodes. And he comes out of the water onto into this village. Mm-hmm. The Indian Amazon, village he shows previously. The indigenous village that we had seen earlier. And he's like, I think he says, how's it hanging? Which, ew. And then in whatever language that they speak, it just says native dialect. Mm. They all are in a tizzy, and one of the warriors steps forward and shoots an arrow at him. Mm. uh, Which he finds very rude. And he, like, cocks his hand like a gun Mm. and blows this dude's fucking head off. It was just one last stab at gore before the show's over. Did it strong enough that he's a good distance away mm-hmm. and is still covered with blood. Right. And then he does his favorite levitation trick and yells, Worship me. Uh, no, he says, My, my name, name is, is Russell, Russell Faraday. Faraday. Worship me. And see. So, <laughs> I'm guessing from the general tone with which you approach the episode. So much. <laughs> That you did not care for this new improved ending. No. I would have liked 15 minutes with Tom and Stu getting home. Right. I would have liked to see Franny pushing back against backsliding into the the failures of the society that we had before. Right. And I would have liked to see them forging some... Going back it would kind of have been fine, but I kind of wish they had done it as a caravan. Right. Maybe even a caravan who was picking up survivors. Right. 
I just, I, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it just struck me as, so Stu is invincible, and Franny is dumb and invincible. And well, she has, uh, she's specially rescued despite her stubbornness and her, um. Because she bit the devil. You go, girl. You, she says, not, she bites him and she says, not for my baby. No, not for my husband. Not for my baby. Not, not for the whole world, which is wild. Right. So she would let the world burn. To not well, be tempted by this? No, no, that I think just... that that in itself is a little bit more heroic. Yeah. Because what it's telling her, or telling us about her, is that she's unwilling to save her own life because she knows that if Randall Flagg gets a foothold in he the gets world, a foothold, then, then it's, a problem. it's yeah. all over, all over again. Is it, though? Because he had a foothold before, and weirdly, he failed so epically. Right, but he literally needed divine intervention to stop him, because he was and on his way. And she did think he was dead, so I guess they do know something about what happened to right. me. That's another thing. I would really like a conversation between again, these two here's a, at all. Again, here's a dramatic moment that we don't get to have. And I think there were so many dramatic moments we didn't get to have. So many confrontations between characters. So many... I mean, the scene... Now, Ray in the original program was played by my favorite Martian, right? No, that no, was Glenn. Oh, that was Glenn. Okay, that so, was Glenn. So Glenn's character has a confrontation with Flag in the first adaptation. Okay. That was really great. And he basically has that ab- that with Lloyd this time. Right, which it just takes the piss out of it, right? Yeah. The fact that he's confronting him, and even in that scene, in that version, Randall Flagg introduces himself, pleased to meet you, hope you... Hope you guess my name. Right, and so... Which is how he actually introduces Lloyd, mm-hmm. himself to Lloyd in the book. Right. He's singing that song. Yeah. Um... And I think he does it a couple of times. He does it with Lloyd as well. I think that's the song that he sings. Right. When he's but it, it gives that confrontation when knowing what's going to happen to him, this guy is still going to stand up to him. Yeah. And he becomes the first of a group of very brave martyrs in the story. Well, but, Dana's the first, but yeah. Well, but I mean, no, no, well, Dana was the first in that she took this physical action, but. No. We now know what he's capable of, and he's this guy knows what he's capable of, yeah. and he's still going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of dramatic confrontation is completely missing, and no. it's almost as if there's these scenes that are that they felt were like speed bumps to just rushing the story along. Yeah, I, I, and we're just rushing to get to this point at the end. It's baffling. I don't know it, how there are just you get so this, many weird choices. I don't know how you get the set of scripts, read the arcs for these characters, and mm-hmm. go, yeah, that's. Right. That's a complete show. Yeah. That's a that's a total story that we're getting. It just misses the mark on storytelling. It misses the right. mark on conflict. It misses the mark on character building. It misses the mark yeah. on actual plot and points. The, it misses... I mean, I don't. The character what? building is the part that bothers me the most because, I mean, we, we could have spe- spent a hell of a lot less time with Harold. We both discussed that. So much less because time. Because I'm just tired time. of this guy and I don't want to spend time with him. Uh, yeah, unless and, you think that mm-hmm. a large percent of your, percentage of your audience is going to relate to this guy, right. I don't know what we're doing. So that yeah. must have been the thinking, which, y'all, if I'm sorry... If they're that's, thinking that's, that's the main audience, then I'm not a member of it. It's like I, I don't have anything to do with it. Yeah, because the thing is, like, you mm. can make 
you can appeal to what you think your main audience is without it being offensive to literally everyone right. else watching. That's the thing. Well, like, on top of the fact that he's offensive, he's just not very interesting. No. I think Owen Teague does a nice job he with what, with he what he's given, do. but it's like everybody. And I feel bad for him because I'm just like. I have to say honestly about this particular adaptation that, with the ex- exception of Amber Heard, maybe, Ugh. everyone is trying really hard with what they're given. Yes, I would agree. I mean, with that. I, I can't say that I've seen, uh, that I see, again, except for Amber Heard, who kind of like is phoning in half the time. Yeah, it's such a weird it's performance. Weird. It's a uh, weird she choice. may have been on various things. I don't know, allegedly. Because she allegedly, does allegedly. stare off into space a lot of the time yeah, and doesn't seem to like, interact with anybody. And the whole point of. TV. Right. Hey, 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 there's a, there's a, there's a camera on you. The whole point Focus. of <laughs> drama is this kind of conflict between characters, and she just, at a lot of times, seems like she's not even engaging with the other actors. Which could be a choice at the end, mm-hmm. when she's glamoured or whatever, right. but for the whole rest of it shouldn't be. Right, and, and that whole first episode that she was in, we were looking at each other like, what what show is she in? Because but she doesn't seem I mean, to be here. What we know about Larry, well, he's a disappointment to everyone he loves. Mm-hmm. But we don't see that. We only see him being a stand-up dude. See him disappointed to his mom, but everyone's yeah, a disappointment to their mom, so that doesn't mean anything. one minute, and yeah. then he goes mm-hmm. to the hospital. He takes her out. Right. He brings her home and is with her when she passes. He is nothing but a stand-up guy that everybody we see well, him interact I, with. On top of that, there's another one. His whole... There's about missing dramatic moments. The whole kicking the habit and going dry with yeah. no help should have been one hell of a dramatic wall for his character. Instead, it was literally a, a, the line, I thought kicking dope was bad. Right. And That's so literally it. The most significant <sighs> moments in this adaptation happen off screen. Off screen, yeah. And that's really disappointing. But that's okay, because the right. things that are on screen aren't impacting the characters, because right. Franny didn't know that there was good and evil in the world until she fell down that fucking well. Yeah, well, see, and even Glenn, right? Yeah. My favorite character, the best character, right. Greg Kinnear. Hey, Glenn everybody. is an Did atheist. Did you know it's Greg Kinnear? Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Glenn is an atheist who becomes converted to a different way of thinking by being just hammered with the preponderance of evidence, uh, of evidence. And he makes a journey. Stu doesn't. And Stu's... A, he's our hero. Well, he's our hero. And he's just... he gets to put it in the heroin at the end. That's very it. Very dull. And very, he doesn't <sighs> have much of a story arc at all. And... The tragedy of him losing his family and losing everyone and him being any kind of guilt he has about being the person who accidentally helps unleash it into the world. Any of that. It's like, it's just not Although there. He, 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 it could, I know, he but you could totally that see that, though. I think Gary Sinise carried that, but I don't think that... Right, Morrison exactly. And I think yeah. that's it's like there's weird directorial choices here. There's weird storytelling choices here, and I think that they just missed the boat in yeah, terms that, of... They started right. that at a micro level with the overarching things, yeah. and then you can't solve that at a micro level on a scene-by-scene no. basis. It's it's just broken. But, I mean... There's you, no foundation. There's no foundation. Yeah, I don't know if you agree with me with this weird hypothesis, like the most dramatic moments just got thrown out. Um, and it, it yeah, hurts it. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> Lines like, I thought kicking dope was bad. Right. Well, that means you've done it, and we haven't seen yeah. any of that. 
all we've seen you do. But I just thought, I don't, yeah, no, it doesn't. The idea that he was by himself, that he was trying to kick this habit, that he, I mean, everything, even well, Heather. Well, to be fair, right. it shouldn't have even been, it was at Boulder. He still had right. his best friend, a, a duffel bag full of drugs, when they rolled into Boulder. It was once he was there. Right. But, I mean, Heather Graham's death, we've invested in that character. She wanders off and it happens off screen. And we're not really sure what happens. There's not a finality to that? I'm pretty okay. I'm pretty okay with that particular death, just because I don't need to see somebody commit suicide off screen. No, but something more than I'm walking off screen could have been done. I mean, because that gave... Well, then the line, something like, I I traveled, I was with somebody, and it's an end well, and I'm like, did you strangle her? It feels (laughs) like stuff is, like somebody went through the script and just ripped pages out at random. Yeah, but also like, well, people who read the book will know what happened. Don't, yeah, that's, but... don't do that. That's lazy. The book was written in 1978. Mm-hmm. People who are watching in 2021, the majority of people with something like Paramount Plus yeah. will not have read this book. You right. need to walk them through all of the things that are happening. Once again, though, I don't know that if they lost their nerve about doing something where a lot of that character development is going to be dealing with people who are in a post-traumatic situation due to a pandemic, a global pandemic. It, uh, it's possible that they were just like, um, I am afraid to do that because we are literally in the middle of a, pand- a global pandemic right now and I don't want to alienate people. So instead we'll alienate them in this other way. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's too much. I, it's not enough. It's, it's, it's both not, too much and not enough yeah. at the same time because yeah. I really would have liked to have seen something that was about the essential conflict between the characters. And we're seeing peripheral characters grow sometimes. We see some of the main characters grow. I also think that they wanted to be like, have like a naturalistic thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is literally good versus evil. Mm -hmm. This shit should, people should be yelling shit like, get thee behind me. Right. All the time. All the time. And that was something that the older version actually did more. Yes. And what we got here are things that... And if you don't want to do that, then uh-huh. this isn't the movie to make. Right. I, I don't understand. I remember Stephen King, when the original was released, um, telling a, a morning show host, and it might have been Good Morning America or the Today Show or something. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No one's fact-tracking you. Um, but he was explaining that this is the only... Um, the The first time since, I think, Rich Man, Poor Man, that you had a miniseries where the hero was God. And I think in that story, it's much more almost like Crash, where all these things happen. I don't know not, what that is. Right. So, yeah, it was a miniseries I'm, that was very popular that, you know, in the in 70s. In the 70s? Okay. Yes, with Nick Nolte and Pierce Strauss, where they both came up. And uh, the gist of it was, again, sort of like the film Crash, where you see this sort of invisible hand working through everything. Okay. And giving people chances and whatever. The bad the bad movie Crash? The one that won right. the best actor? Best, best, okay. But still, there, it was sort of like that, where things, there are coincidences to the point where they're not coincidence. coincidence. Right, 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 right. But it, it was actually really popular, very, uh, very um, interesting. I remember it was a big deal. And so he's saying this is the first one since then where God is an active presence in this world. Then you have to lean into it. You right. Can't you can't shy away just, from it. Because otherwise, then what are we even doing here? This is a black and white world. Yeah. Um, 
I like the fact that at least we have this sense that the black and white it's Mother Abigail is it's literally good. is black. And the, yeah. what I did like but about once the again, one his element, magical Negro trope hmm. is so. I don't know much. what to do about that. I don't know. I know that he's a seventy-three-year-old man. Exactly, he lives in and two this of is the whitest states this in, is the, kind in the country. What? So right. yes, there's there's mm-hmm. a either a book or a long article called Stephen King Needs More Black Friends. Right. And it's fucking true. Right. But he also needs a showrunner, Josh Boone, mm-hmm. who, when Stephen King writes the finale here, can call him on his shits. Right. I understand that Stephen King is Stephen King and hasn't had an editor since, like, mm-hmm. the early 80s. Right. It's only detrimental to both him well, and the readers, as far as I'm concerned. Um, there's going to be... To speaking to his age, there's going to be some literary tropes and things that are just stuck in his head. That's fine. And I that's agree with you. you that's either. why you need somebody to actually coach you and go, hey, this is not really. I, I need somebody to speak truth to and the sometimes, power of Stephen King. Yeah, well, but sometimes it does work. Sometimes the character in It, the nerdy black librarian kid, you know, that kid really. I'm not sure where that but came he's from. he's not magical. No, exactly. But what I'm saying he's is that... He's just a purse. <laughs> I'm say, what I'm saying is that the fact that he would go so far as to go, the person with all the answers is the black kid that yeah. nobody wants to be friends with. Yeah. That, to me, felt much more genuine. So I know Which that Which they took out of the new movie. Right. <laughs> Which I feel was he's capable of creating yeah. that character. Of course he is. But more often, we have mm-hmm. a Mother Abigail. Right. We've got a John Coffey. Right. Um, <laughs> who even shares Jesus' initials? I mean, that, <laughs> and he dies for our sins, too. Like, and, and yeah, we saw that a, one coming. We've got a Scatman Carruthers, whose right. name I can't remember from The Shining. Right? Uh-huh. And, and to an extent, mm-hmm. we've got Cynthia Rivo's Holly Gibney, right. who is neuroatypical to the point of having a superpower, which right. is doubly problematic. Uh, but that's not a character that's not that's her as a black person. So I don't I don't necessarily want to loop her in, mm-hmm. but black writers have looped right. her in. So I feel like that voice needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. If that's something that the black community is seeing, then that's something that's happening. Sometimes it, it works that way. I mean Shaft was a was a white cop. In That's his book, right. and he became so weird. I love like that. this black icon, and no one ever thinks of that anymore. Going, Shaft, I, the I white heard guy. that on a podcast, and I was like, "That's wild!" And I'm super glad that Shaft is black. <laughs> and the writer didn't seem to mind after a while no. because no one's reading my book. So yeah. wait, now everyone knows who I am. Now everybody knows who I am. I got paid. Right. Those royalties are in my fucking bank account. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I liked. I even liked. I liked Idris as the gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Not written as white. That is a magical character. Right. Not magical because he's black. But it feels like every black character has this. The gunslinger is magical in the context of a dozen magical characters in that story. And that's what I'm saying. It's a fantasy book. Everybody's magical. That's the whole point. He's part of a strange universe of... It's like getting mad at a magical hobbit. Well, they're fucking hobbits. Yeah. It's an orc. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. That's just what they are. Um, no, I know. That's why I'm saying course, I don't. I don't. Mm. I wouldn't link that in yeah. together. Um, but but the disability as a superpower thing with Holly Gibney is a little. That's, that's a weird trope that I like that character a lot. Right. 
I also but get disability that it's is not a superpower happened in Dreamcatcher. It happens. Yes, it to happens a in a really lot of stuff. just having worked with autistic and mentally well. We don't no, say mentally retarded we anymore. Do not. Um, but again, see, there's so, my age coming up yes, because that was the classification that, that we had. You just used the proper term twenty I, years ago. Right, <laughs> we're catching up. Us, but um, seeing having worked with this population. And then seeing that depicted as evidence of alien life, I'm like, yeah, it's wild. That that's just I, I embarrassingly I bad. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to stop loving Stephen King, but we have to no, also I, we see, have to understand right. the problems with the things that we like. We can't just like things blindly no. and be like, "Well, everything he does is good because I like it." Well, no. Right. He's like I said, he's a 73 year old white man, born and raised in the whitest state in our country right. basically and then now he lives he resides half time there and half time in florida mm-hmm. probably also in a fairly white area oh, sure. of a fairly white state yeah so yeah he does not have a lot of access to black people but here's what he does have or what he should have editors that's all mm. i'm saying yeah. People, Josh Boone should have looked well, at also, this character, this Abigail Fremantle. Right. St- give me space to work. I'm going to lay hands on Franny and unbreak all of her what bones. What helps is and say, Gah. we know what his political leaning or his worldview leanings are. He is a liberal person. He's a very liberal person, yes. and so we understand that. That's why I don't feel weird about it. I would feel it's weird. It's just a bummer. About it's just his, a bummer. When yeah, you, but it's you know that mm, you know that it's black less, people are, uh, are 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 stigmatized by these things, mm-hmm. and then keep in twenty twenty one he wrote it again. Right. He wrote it again. That's the thing about the Abigail Fremantle and then mm. the Russell Faraday worship me at the end. That ending, I wasn't as bothered by some of the other things that you mentioned. It was irritating, but I'm used. Okay, and this is going to sound horrible. As a person of color, and as a person of color of a particular age, I'm used to seeing things like that. I know. So it's maybe a shame that I'm like just like, oh, okay, that's just the way. This is this to you sound to me like all of the women who are in their sixties and seventies. Mad at the Me Too movement no, because I'm not, well, I had to put up I'm with this. I'm not mad about it. I'm not like, at all. It's a bummer to me because I'm just like, yeah. yeah, but we know better, right? So we should do. So better. I'm not. I'm saying that that bothered me because I'm not. You know, whatever. That's just them telling the story. It just seemed like so much a part of what I remember storytelling being like growing up. What, but still, all that considered, that last scene really bothered me. Yeah. Because we do not need to see the subjugation of an indigenous society by white folks. We just don't need to we see that again. We don't need to see it. Especially when you literally said earlier in the episode, right. that's what always happens to these tribes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, I hated it. it I, mean, I, I understand, I think, what the, I think the message was to be, look how small and pathetic he is. Right. Like, how how pathetic are you that you have to, Y'all worship me right. at well, any point. Why would they worship him? Well, and that was that was kind of the, the the dude's head. Well, that was the. But once I again, if you have that to last kill scene, people right? to worship you, then you have no strength. When I look at that last scene, what bothered me about it is that, and I looked it up 
And I looked it up this morning to try to see if I can find different takes on that scene mm-hmm. and try to discover if somebody revealed why it bothered me. And I couldn't find that much information that was like, this is problematic. And what bothered me more was that they keep referring to them as a primitive tribe. It's like, no, this is a tribe that's where they want to be. Yeah. They haven't changed in Just because they don't have thousands TV of, and Amazon well, doesn't that's, mean that's that kind of the primitive. point. It's like, may, maybe this is where they want to be. And you know what else? Right. They survived. Right. They survived. So why are we looking down on them? Well, but that's kind of my issue is, and, and this is something that there's this weird scale of civilization that was set up by the West that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Which is... If a person survives in a state like that, they're primitives, and they're ignorant, and they do ignorant, primitive things. Whereas, if a civilization has been in an environment, living sustainably for hundreds or thousands of years... we have destroyed this entire planet in 150 years, but we're the civilized ones. Right. And I'm going, for hundreds or thousands of years, they've lived the exact same way. It's not a matter of being primitive. This is now a choice. Yeah. We're living in sustainability and harmony with this environment. Yeah. We don't have to. And we can look back and see civilizations like what happened at Angkor Wat or what happened mm-hmm. in India or what happened in central uh, Mexico. Mexico. As these in- the incredibly islands, advanced... All the islands, right, the Polynesian islands. These incredibly advanced cultures that reached these peaks that yeah. were never reached in Europe. Yep. Yeah. And then come tumbling down cataclysmically because... Of gunpowder and white men. But no, no, on top of that, before the the white man came in many cases, they came tumbling down because you just exhaust all the resources when you do things like that. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. They go through cycles. Right? So if you have a tribe sitting there by themselves that has not done this, they're fine. They're fine. And the notion that their first move after seeing him kill this guy by blowing up his head with his fingers wasn't running away, but running down to fall on their knees to worship him. I don't think that we see I mean, them do that. We, we don't see them fall on their knees. We don't. We see mm-hmm. them going towards him. Mm-hmm. We don't see them drop. Right. The, the camera pans. So but, that it looks... Like, and then he's uh, gone above them. So the, it looks like they've dropped. But I don't believe that. The idea, though, thing. that that would be their move. When in truth, their move would probably be to run. Either because, run or to continue firing weapons right, at him. Because he's a That's monster. What I do. He just killed somebody. Yeah. So the move isn't like We oh. already knew he was dangerous. Right. That's why we tried to kill him as soon as we saw it. Right. We're not gonna stop now. But it just seemed like such a um also yelling worship me to right. people who don't speak English and, and doesn't make any to speak about, sense. Uh, about problematic authors. When I was a kid and I read King Solomon's Minds for the first time. And they come to this tribe, and uh, the characters, Alan Quartermain and the, the white European characters, convince these black, they're gods or people who come from the stars. Mm. And it's just like, again, I'm sure Stephen King loved reading that book as much as I did growing like an up. an adventure story. And, right. Yeah. And that, so this makes sense to what he's writing. Yeah. But it's, again, bringing out a trope that's far yeah. past its due date. Yeah, and looking at everything as if it's not Western culture, it's not Mm. culture. Right. Is. Yeah. Yeah, deeply upsetting. Like, it's so stupid. So, yeah, this this ending was uh, garbage. (laughs) It's amazing. What I did like about it was the notion that Mother Abigail exists forever as some sort of. Sure. Polar opposite. And I did like that. The idea that 
if Flag gets to exist, she has to exist too because they're going to be right, doing this forever. He exists in real in in real time mm-hmm. as that physical form, same physical right. form. She, the only time we see her as herself, is in a dream, sort of, sort yeah. of in a dream, right? Um, we see the young black girl who is definitely Mother Abigail, mm-hmm. but as a child. Right. With enough physical form to pick up a baby. Right. But then she poofs out of existence. Well, but what I like about that, though, is that in the original adaptation of this, we're just left with Mother Abigail dead. Yeah, so I presume that she went this, on to, to me, her heavenly reward. Right. Because... Shouldn't she? She should. She's 108 um, or something like that. But what that. I liked about this version is that it adds to the I notion that... If you're a person who believes in heavenly reward, and she is, right. that is what if she If anybody deserved have. it, she did. Which apparently is just a small house in a cornfield where mm-hmm. she can play her songs. Right, and she can be perpetually 12 years old. I don't know. But well, I no, mean, she's not. Or she shows up in a dream, but we're seeing the physical manifestation of her as a... Yeah, but I... I, I yeah, I, yeah just, I, I just felt like... I don't that think was, she should have a physical manifestation. That was the one part I liked, I liked was the idea that if evil comes back, we also have this person, too. I who guess. comes back as, as sort of an angelic presence who helps people when they're in trouble. So it's kind of like... Touched by a ghost? I don't know. Yeah, except anyhow, that's I just a think a lot of work you're putting on a young black girl who that, doesn't even get a roof. Well, over it's a her young head. black girl who can cure by laying on of hands and appear to people. So she's. I'm still saying you're putting a lot of emotional okay. and physical labor onto this woman who ostensibly has already done this. Right. Well, okay. <laughs> I just, I just, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. <laughs> Well, anyhow, We're the good thing the is, you, We're not watching you never need to see this. Well, I, I would love to see. I would have loved. How can I put it? I would have loved to have edited this differently. Yeah, and I give would, me those mm-hmm. scripts and let me start over for you. Right. I will cut sixty percent of Harold. I'm recasting several of these parts. Well, at least one of these parts. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to put some character development in. You know who I don't know? Nick? Yeah. You know who I don't know? Tom? You know who I don't know? Fucking almost anybody. Yeah, I didn't. I, I was. Larry? If it had not been for the fact that I knew the story, I would be completely at sea. I have no idea what's going on most of the time in this one. I could draw some inference. They played with time far too much. Where yeah, they I needed to be clearer right. on this is when we are, which you can do mm-hmm. with a fucking what are they called? When Next it's just screen on title, the screen. Right, yeah, yeah, title title screen. Just tell I don't that baby is somewhere between six months and two right. years old. And it is the the first adaptation of it wasn't it made some serious mistakes too. I also was like just Dana like, just shows up. Like, wait, who's she? Why is she here? And Mother Abigail saying uh, your your line is going to propagate the earth, mm-hmm. and it's just her and Stu and their white babies is like a bummer. I just am like, I mean, love who you're going to love, but man. I hope some people of color are also having babies, because good grief. 
Well, they've already they've not just guns. If you're worried about again. if you're worried about stealing, then you're doing it wrong. Like I just, I don't know. Maybe I need to be the empress of a tiny civilization so we can do it correctly. <laughs> small, small civilization. Oh, I can't wait till they behead me because I get too big for my britches. Oh yes. <laughs> chop chop. Uh, all right. So the stand is done. Okay, so what are we watching next? Next we are watching Lisey's story. And I believe this is the end of the Stephen King. Really? I believe so. I will do some more research to verify that. Now, I have a question for you about that. Uh, assuming that, well, that there's new Stephen Kings coming, are we going to visit revisit them at any point? I mean, I would presume that we will, but mm-hmm. I don't know what we're doing next. I don't know if we're even continuing the show. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying we're not, but I'm just saying we don't know what we're doing next. Well, and, but um, I would presume that, yeah, if there's another Stephen King adaptation, right. we'll bounce back and, and do that. Um, we did not do that with Twin Peaks to return, uh-huh. so we still could. Well, that okay, could be the, the next The thing reason that we why did. is that we hated it. I yeah. mean, yeah. it was just no, such a slog to get. There was a couple of shows that I really... I really, um, I wanted to like, and I think that I was just out of the loop for when Twin Peaks was going to work for me, and Battlestar Galactica was another one where there was just such flaws in logic, I could not understand for the life of me why anybody liked this show. Mm -hmm. Are we going to revisit Stephen King for any new programs or films? Because I keep reading about things in production. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in production, I will Mm -hmm. say. um, I'm on the Stephen King adaptation wiki right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is the Untitled Pet Cemetery prequel that they are uh, doing for Paramount+. Plus. There's a, an epic show called Chapel Wait, which is based on Jerusalem's Law. Oh, there's an Institute movie uh, by Spyglass Media. Uh, there's a television adaptation of a short story called The Jaunt. Uh, there's a freeform production of Joyland, the movie or the the book. There is a Sleeping Beauties AMC uh, thing. Um, Netflix has bought the Talisman, which would be amazing. And uh, oh boy, the Ten O'clock People uh, is based on the short story of the same name. Is so those are all TBA. Those are all things that are optioned. Right. Okay. Good. Uh, Chapel Wait is supposed to start. Oh. Yesterday. Maybe this is the next. Ne- yes. Okay. August 22nd, 2021. Oh, wow. All right. So, um, literally yesterday from yeah. when we were recording. Oh my God, this, that was a wild guess. That <laughs> was bananas. I don't know how to watch stuff on Epic, so I guess that might be the last thing. I think thing we have a subscription. Do. I oh, don't great. know. I it's, that's have. on Ad- Adrian Brody uh, thing. So, that actually, I guess, might be the next thing. Or the the last thing, but right. first we're gonna, as I said, we're gonna do Lisey's story based on the 2006 novel of the same name, produced by J.J. Abrams. It's premiered on Apple TV on June 4th of 2021. Uh, it is completed on television, like or like the cycle is completed. There are eight episodes, right. and they're okay. all available on Apple TV, okay. uh, which we have uh, available to us. So we are going to be watching that starting, you know, today or tomorrow. Uh, we're going to do one episode at a time. I don't know how long the episodes are. All right. Uh, 
So I'm going to keep it at one at a time. I think that's fine. I think that worked well for the stand. And I, yes, did. And since we are going into this one basically blind, I believe I did read this book. I do not have any recollection okay. of it. Uh, so mm, uh, the stars of uh, Lisa's story are Julianne Moore and Clive Owen with Jennifer Jason Lee, Dane DeHaan, and Joan Allen. Wow. And recurring characters include Ron Cephas Jones, Michael Pitt, Sung Kang and Peter Scolari. So they just so yeah, spared no expense. This is also a situation where Stephen King wrote every episode, wow. and one person directed all of them. Pablo, okay, so this, yeah. Lorraine, Matt, or uh, he's a Chilean filmmaker, mm-hmm. and he was a producer of a Fantastic Woman that won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. Right, I remember that. Yeah, uh, so. It, and they refer to it on his website as, in 2021, he directed all eight episodes of the Psychological Romance Horror miniseries. Okay. So there you go. That's what we are watching next. Lisey's story. Once again, it's on Apple TV. And we are going to watch just episode one, which is called Bull Hunt. That's B-O-O-L Hunt. Okay. I'm sure we will understand what that means better once we have watched it uh in the meantime do you have something that you would like to recommend uh that our lovely listeners either watch or read or listen to that I, isn't um, the stand episode nine i finished the uh, miniseries on netflix just recently it was only six episodes so it was manageable uh called behind her eyes oh and geez it was only six episodes yeah. I came in right at the end then. So, um, well, that's the reason I didn't want you to see anything, because I'm going, oh, there's supposed to be huge twists in this. and I knew some of the twists, because internet's but Oh, that's fine. a pity, because it really is sort of surprising when you're watching it. Um, and I enjoyed it. I'm not sure what I expected, because I, was, I wasn't... Um, I really wasn't certain what I was watching going into, but I've had good luck so far picking random things from Netflix. And also Hulu. I had some fun with that. If I can get through their weirdly complicated system of choosing things that you want to watch. Yeah, it's uh, that's a pain. It sucks. Right, but it's I, I can't say anything about it because there are huge major twists and you don't want to give anything away. But it starts almost like a romantic comedy with a meet cute in a bar. Okay. And then goes in really weird directions where okay. you feel like you're watching something that's approaching um, Gone Girl or, let's see, another example would be uh, Fatal Attraction. Okay, interesting. Where a woman meets and falls in love with a man who subsequently turns out to be her new boss and then at the same time makes friends with his wife. Now, you're not sure up until, I think, episode five, really, which the husband or the wife is manipulating her more. This but she's the being manipulated. Possibly by both of them. Maybe not. Maybe one is fabricating stories about the other. And it becomes a sort of complicated story where you're dry, sort of guessing which one you're, you're going to believe. And then it takes a huge shift and you're in a... In a re- and that's kind of why I wanted to see it again with you and our other yeah, roommate. Yeah, I'll watch it with you. Because my thing was, I want to see if I saw it coming, 
not if I saw it coming, what didn't I pick up on when I was watching this? Was I distracted by the fact that it was presented as one thing, and then you're like, holy crap, this is not exactly... Or did they really hide it well enough that you... Right. You know, and it's the same sort of sense you get when you're watching an M. Night Shyamalan movie, and you're going, did he play fair with me? And then when you realize, oh, he played fair, I j- fair. it was... I just, I was... I did not uh, see that coming. Right. right. And so, yeah, so that becomes really interesting. So um, I would recommend it pe- for people. It, at times, is fairly explicit. Okay. Not so much more than watching an episode of True Blood or something, which felt kind of pervy at times. But, um... You said behind her eyes is what it's Behind called? her eyes. It's I have no Netflix? idea that this young woman, one of the young women, is actually Bono's daughter. Like, Who? Bono. Bono? Bono, I'm sorry. Like the YouTube Bono Bono? It's a chimpanzee. In that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. Yes. The okay. singer. I didn't know his daughter was an actress. I didn't know he didn't had know kids. She was in this film. So. Um, but, uh, but there are some really good performances here. And the lead actress, I have to single her out. Um, Simona Brown, um, is really exceptional. And it's interesting watching a black woman take this part. And she's really striking. She's really compelling as a performer. And as a protagonist, it helps to have somebody that you really just, you want to see them succeed. So... Uh, yeah, I saw it. I had no idea what I was going into it, and it was only six episodes. It's not like you were in the stand and you were stuck there forever with... And that's kind of what also is disappointing about watching The Stand, is the fact they had so much more time and all these characters, and you just fleshed out none of them. And this program really did a great job of focusing on a handful of characters and giving them story arcs that made sense but we're twisty. But are very twisty. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. Did you see anything interesting? No, I'm literally... I have no um, recommendations at this time because I have been ill. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, it's been hard. I, I've come home and, and I have been you're just wa- not there. Yeah, I just... I have not watched anything. Yeah. I have been in my room doing Sudoku mm-hmm. and listening to Heaving I thought you watched... Um, I thought you watched a program with Stephanie the other day that was really sweet. Yeah, the cake but I don't program. know that I can... Yeah, I guess, y'all. You know what I like. Bake Squad on Netflix is fine. Um, I... So, this show is a... Not even... A... It's not a competition. Mm-hmm. It, it is, but, like, it super isn't. Well, it's low-stakes competition. It's the lowest-stakes competition. Mm. So, Christina Tosi is the host. Uh, I don't... I, I, I hope that they get another season so she calms down, because she's a little... Uh, Hyper? Yeah. It's, it's all a, that sugar. It's a lot. Uh, and she has these four pastry chefs um, compete to do a like a centerpiece for the that day's clients. They have uh-huh. seven hours to put together some sort of dessert, this epic dessert. And the winner gets to have their thing at... The, we're basically watching Rough Draft the show mm-hmm. because 
they make these epic cakes or whatever, but that's not the one that's actually going to be at the event. So then they all have to do it again. <laughs> I just Later. the episodes I oversaw with you and Stephanie though. I loved the scale of them. It's a lot of yes. The, I, I bet you would really like the first one. There's a dragon yeah. egg that he makes that's like massive out of yeah. chocolate, uh, and. Every episode has the same, it's the big squad, it's the same four people, and they're the ones competing. No one goes home. Right. As far as we know, their their pay is not contingent on, I bet in the contract they get right. a little bit of a bonus if their thing is picked, because it's likely. Well, I, I guarantee you that's the case, because then they have to spend a whole other day or two right. remaking exactly. this thing that they made the first time on, on camera. Um... And so there are, you know, very cool, like, there's a sugar guy, there's a cake person, there's a woman uh, from Chicago who I recognized from before, and as soon as I saw her, mm -hmm. I was like, I think she's deaf. And she is, in fact, deaf. Okay. They talk about it, but not until, like, the third episode. And she makes pies, right? She's the pie lady, yes. Mm -hmm. she, um, she has a place in Chicago that's known for pies. But her big thing is flavor, because she says, because she doesn't have that sense. Right. Uh, her vi her vision and her taste are stronger, which, guys, that's actually not true, but that's fine. Uh, so she's awesome. She, I really like her. Her name is Maya Camille, also. Mm -hmm. It's a very fancy name. Uh, and there's, like I said, a cake person, a chocolate person, and a sugar person. Mm -hmm. uh, and for the first four episodes, all the, all the men win. For five episodes, the men win everything. There's two and two. And then the last two episodes, there's a one and one on the ladies. Yeah. Like, it, and it feels in the last one like they throw it for the, the the woman that hasn't won something. And I'm just like the one who looks like oh, that's um, so nice, Kristen Ritter. Yeah, you thought she looked like Kristen Ritter. Yeah, I like Kristen Ritter. I'm not saying anything pro her again. I don't think she looks particularly like Kristen Ritter. Maybe mainly because you she's know, a foot taller than I Kristen think, Ritter. See, the thing is, <laughs> I like Kristen Ritter because she reminds me of Barbara Steele. Okay. Which she, she does looks more like Barbara Steele to me than she does to Chris right. Ritter. So I, well, because Barbara Steele was taller. But there's there was a, mm -hmm. a very funny modern meme that somebody posted in one of my horror groups where there was a person who actually a younger person and I don't mean to make fun of him who found a picture of Barbara Steele in like uh, one of Mario Bava's films and thought, "What did Kristen Ritter do this movie?" And no, like, no, yes. no, it's not Kristen Ritter. It's just it's a dark-haired woman with, with huge eyes, massive eyes, <laughs> right? and fine-boned. Right. Fine bones. So, it's like... All right, so yeah. that, I think that's going to do it. We've been talking for an hour and a half, and I need to eat some food. So, mm -hmm. if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet us at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook by searching for latecomerspodcast in the search bar. Next up, Lisey's Story, Episode 1, Bull Hunts. Available on Apple TV. Mm -hmm. uh, so get, look, yeah. get your Julianne Moore on. Looking for a bowl. Bull. Well, I think bull is French for bowl, is it? I don't know. Okay, I think so. <laughs> I'm not French. I don't know these things. And we will uh, talk to you later mm -hmm. next week. And in the meantime, I remind you to take your medicine. And, and we remind you. Better, better late than, than never. never.